0: Good morning. Welcome back to the program. The common portrayal of millennials is a generation that is narcissistic, self-absorbed, and demanding. Yet they're almost 90 million strong and will soon be taking their place in leadership, in business, in politics, and almost every other aspect of our society. We're going to talk a little bit about that transformation today with my guest, Lindsay Pollack. She is a keynote speaker, a corporate consultant, and an internationally recognized expert on the millennial generation and the author of a new book entitled Becoming the Boss, New Rules for the Next Generation of Leaders. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeff.
0: Great to have you here. I suppose the first question is whether all those stereotypes that we have about millennials, about them being self-absorbed and narcissistic and all the other things that we hear over and over again, whether or not that's true.
1: You know, I think there are positive and negative ways to characterize those aspects of millennials, and I certainly hear those words frequently, entitled being the most common. Mm -hmm. I tend to see it as confidence and a trust in their skills, that they aren't always very good at communicating to other people. So they are very comfortable with technology that can come off as entitled to have everything um, instantly They're also very comfortable to speaking to people of all levels. They believe there should be a level playing field, and why not talk to your boss's boss's boss? Some people see that as entitlement. They also know that they can work anywhere thanks to technology, so they are not afraid on their first day of work to ask if they can work from home or take a break and work from Starbucks. So I think their view of the world is often perceived as entitled, but I think when you look beneath that, You can understand why they might come across that way
0: it also can be interpreted as a lack of respect for a system and for people that have put in their time and in fact it may not be the contemporary way but certainly have done things a certain way for a long time
1: absolutely and millennials when they are uh, told that or reprimanded in that way tend to understand it but again the world that they see in front of them looks so different from the world the rest of us grew up in and started our careers in. I'm a Gen Xer. I've been in the workplace for 15, 16 years. I was raised in a baby boomer environment. They are not as um, trained um, in that way, so they don't perceive what they're doing as disrespectful. It's simply acting with the way they see the world around them. But when they are taught to show more respect, to understand perhaps that talking to someone face-to-face is important as opposed to just sending them a text message or an email. They understand it, but they need to be trained in those things that to Gen Xers and boomers and traditionalists feel like common sense. Those are actually new skills to a lot of millennials, as horrifying as that might feel to the other generations.
0: Talk about this sense of entitlement and whether or not it's worthwhile to try and understand where that comes from with respect to such a large part of the generation.
1: Yeah, to put it in context of how big an issue it is, for the book, I conducted a survey with the Hartford called the 2014 Millennial Leadership Survey, and we found that 83% of millennials consider themselves to be a leader. 83%. So, They had been raised partly by their parents, who were some of the younger baby boomers, who wanted to be friends with their kids, who coached their soccer team, who got them tutors um, for a lot of different things that they wanted to do, very active in their children's lives. Also, in many cases, and this is very much a middle class, upper middle class phenomenon, but provided a safety net, said, you know, you can come back and live at home, don't worry about it. So I think there was entitlement from that belief in your parents being there to take care of you. Across the board, no matter what economic sphere you came from, the American education system changed in the 80s, away from discipline and memorization and and factual knowledge towards building self-esteem and everyone getting a trophy, so they were getting it from, from that angle as well. And then I think the third piece or reason for entitlement is technology. You know, instead of having to read books deeply or have a long conversation with someone, you now have the ability to go to Wikipedia or to do an Ask Me Anything text chat with the President of the United States. Technology (laughs) has just changed the way we think about access to information and people um, in a way that previous generations just can barely comprehend. So I think it's a lot of factors at play. um, And I think other generations, while we can still try to change it or affect it, in a different way or guide it in a way. I think we do need to have some empathy for the fact that millennials grew up in a time when they were told the world would be a certain way that was very, very different from the way the rest of us grew up.
0: What about those that have not found that the world is a different way, that have encountered much of legacy approaches when they've gone into the workforce or gone into other aspects of life?
1: They leave. You know, the retention rates Millennials are very low. Millennials are highly likely to leave a job if they get into an environment where they feel that the leaders of that company don't respect them or appreciate their way of working. They have not shown a desire to learn the, quote, old-fashioned way and Mm. kind of go with it. They are very much saying, and I think this comes back to the safety net of their parents often being there to say, it's okay, you don't need a job. But I thought, personally, I've been doing this for 12 years, I thought with the recession You know, 2008, 2009, 2010, jobs were so hard to find, I thought millennials would kind of suck it up and say, okay, I'm going to do it your way. They didn't. They preferred to live at home, get part-time jobs, kind of make ends meet however they could, rather than um, sort of reacting to the ways that other generations want them to behave. Now, this is not every single millennial Mm -hmm. in America, but a very large majority said, I would rather live at home or do my own thing than try to adapt to this corporate structure that just doesn't feel comfortable or meaningful to me.
0: What's happened when millennials have moved into those corporate structures? And how how has it affected the companies? How has it affected the millennials who, in fact, might change somewhat within that environment?
1: You know, my big question that I'm always seeking to answer is, are millennials going to change the corporation or is the corporation Mm -hmm, going to change millennials? And the answer has been very different industry by industry. For example, I do a lot of work in the accounting industry with the big four accounting firms, the PwC's, Deloitte's of the world. And they often have a forced retirement age of 55. So at those types of companies, they have a workforce that is 75%, 85% millennial, you know, under 35 And so they are absolutely changing to millennial desires, open plan offices, flexible work hours, more transparent salaries, more fun environments to work in. Other industries that I've worked in, uh, the insurance industry, uh, the lumber and building materials industry have not yet seen that large chunk of their employee base become millennials. So they have tried to adapt their millennials to their way of doing things, often through mentoring programs, um, additional training to say, you need to do it our way now. So in my opinion, so far, the percent of millennials in your company often dictates, you know, which way that plays out. But I think that the truth is, demographically, by 2020, the workplace in the United States will be 50% millennial, 50% all the rest of us. By 2025, it will be 75% millennial. Going from 20 years ago, 75% baby boomer. So I, I think the baby boomers made their mark on the workplace. I think it's inevitable in the next 10 years that the millennials are going to make a lot of significant changes. And the companies that want to maintain their corporate culture or their way of doing things, have to be very mindful of what they need to keep, what's absolutely essential to their culture, and what they're willing to flex on to uh, make millennials want to stay.
0: If you look at the older millennials, those that have been at the the cutting edge of moving into the workplace and that have been there the the relative longest period of time, Talk a little bit about what we're seeing about millennials that take on more and more responsibility and begin to move into leadership positions.
1: And that was, in many ways, the focus of my book, millennials not just being the kids and starting out, but actually becoming managers of other people. Um, One of the key things I looked at was the need for those millennials who are in their early 30s, you know, so they're not teenagers anymore, you know, to your point. They have to manage a multi-generational workforce. They are not just millennials managing millennials. So a big question I got from the leaders that I spoke to was, I have to interview someone who's like old enough to be my dad. You know, how do I do that? How do I talk to him? And so they're really realizing that a competency a young leader has to have today is not just leading your peers or people younger than you, but really leading people of all different generations. Um, They're also finding that sometimes it's difficult when you grow up in this environment where everybody gets a trophy, it's really hard to reprimand employees. It's really hard to, you know, decide who's doing a better job. It's almost uncomfortable for them to do the things that a boss has to do, you know, kind of create ways for people to compete with each other. Um, And one of the things that I found with that older group of millennials who are, you know, kind of on the cusp of, other generations is they can be very good translators for the younger millennials to say, look, I I have the same tendencies as you to kind of hide behind technology or to believe everybody's equal or to want to have fun at work. I get it and we're going to do that, but we also have to work with other generations and here's what I've learned about those generations. My favorite um, quick win for a company who might be listening and struggling with a millennial situation is the idea of reverse mentoring, which is that, you know, essentially everyone in the company has a mentor or a relationship with someone of a different generation. It doesn't mean that mentoring has to always be the person with 40 years of experience mentoring the newbie. It's people of different generations, a baby boomer and a millennial, for example, mentoring each other. And the boomer saying, here's how things have been done. Here's the kind of respect my colleagues want. And the millennial saying, you know, here's what Twitter is about. (laughs) You know, here's what my peers want. I think in today's workplace, you absolutely have to be able to communicate and work with every generation. And, and I think those older millennials have a very important role to play to translate their generation for the others.
0: And how are those millennials doing, those older millennials doing as leaders?
1: You know, that's a really good question. I, I wish I had specific data on the older millennials. Unfortunately, they tend to get lumped with the younger ones who are not getting great marks. And the, the biggest complaint I hear about all millennials, is that they leave. So they set themselves up as leaders, companies train them to be leaders, and they assume that that will be a retention tool. You know, Jeff, we we, we promoted you. You're a leader now, and they still leave to go to other companies. So I think their marks in the day-to-day tend to be quite good, but their loyalty factor is not there. And I think the reality is for a millennial, They like experiences. They want to try a lot of different things. So if a company is good to you, you say, thank you so much. That was a great five years. I'm going to move on to something else rather than thank you so much. I'm now committed to you for the rest of my career. So there's a frustration that as good as their skills are um, and as much money or productivity they might be making for an organization, they still leave. Um, I think that is simply going to be the millennial way. I don't think we're going to see 30-year careers anymore at one company, but for a group of leaders where that was the absolute sign of success, longevity, it's very, very hard for them to see good talent walk out the door.
0: What impact are you seeing that having in companies because the lack of loyalty arguably can work both ways?
1: Absolutely. And they don't want to invest in millennials. What millennials say they want in the leadership survey that I conducted with the Hartford, they said that they wanted training, development, and mentoring. And companies say, I'm not going to give that to you if you leave. So, you know, it's a little bit of a a chicken and egg situation. Um, Companies don't want to invest in talent that's going to leave. One of my responses to that is the idea of a boomerang workforce, of an alumni network of your employees, where you might train them early in their career and give them a lot of the training and development they need. Their loyalty will come not in their staying for 30 years, but in their possibly coming back after a job or two at another company. If you're a big company, you should be able to absorb that their loyalty may come in being so grateful to you for training them, developing them, growing them, that you refer lots of business and talent to that company. Your loyalty may come that they buy your products, that they do business with you in the future. So I think companies that think about the larger relationship with talent rather than just, are you my employee or are you not, are going to be more successful with this generation. And and I think you're right. Millennials saw their parents get laid off in many situations You know, during the recession, mm-hmm. during previous recessions. They know that a company will cut them in a second, so they don't feel, oh, if I sign up to this company, they're going to hire me for life. So, so they're sort of wary as well. And, and when two sides are wary, nobody's going to win. So somebody has to kind of step up and say, I'm going to give you a lot, even if you're still going to leave. And, and I think in many ways the burden falls on the company because there's so much reward if you have a person out there who's going to be an advocate for you, whether they're an employee or not.
0: Talk a little bit about what you hear from boomers inside companies, both large and small, in terms of their attitude internally towards millennials.
1: So boomers and millennials are very similar. They're very large generations, tend to be optimistic generations, very social. They like to hang out with people. They're big thinkers. And most, in most cases, baby boomers, particularly the younger ones in their 50s, are the parents of the millennials. So they get along pretty great. Baby boomers tend to be a lot more patient with millennials. They want to learn technology from millennials. The big problem in the workplace now is with Generation Xers, which is my cohort in their 30s and 40s, or later 30s and 40s, who are the smallest generation. They're about 76, 80 million boomers, about 80 to 90 million millennials, but there are only 46 million Gen Xers. We are what called when I remember growing up is the baby bust. And we are the ones who are in middle management positions. We've been operating in a baby boomer world forever. And now suddenly, when we thought it was our turn to step up, there's a big recession, baby boomers don't retire. And then when baby boomers finally retire, the millennials are right there next to us becoming leaders alongside us because we're too small of a generation. So the the anger that I see in the workforce, the frustration about not paying your dues, the, the lack of respect, believe it or not, comes from the sort of 35 to 50-year-olds much more than the baby boomers. So, so that's a, a sort of a surprise to a lot of companies is that the direct managers of the millennials have a lot more trouble with them than the boomers who tend to be a couple of, of uh, degrees removed.
0: What impact do you see in this have? on the companies themselves and the work that they do. I know that's a broad brush, but clearly this clash of generations, these conflicts that we've been talking about, have to have an impact on the business, on the companies themselves.
1: I think it has an impact in two ways, one internal, one external. Internally, I think companies have to look at where they are putting their energy and what their goals are with their talent. So it used to be that a big goal of human resources was talent retention, people staying. I don't think that is a valid goal anymore. Millennials are going to leave no matter what. So you have to come up with the philosophies, you know, to your earlier question of are we going to invest in our talent even if they're going to leave? Are we going to invest in our company culture in making this a good place to work even though talent might leave? I think you have to think about um, the knowledge in your organization, when you have people leaving all the time, particularly boomers who've been there 30 or 40 years, wh- how are you going to make sure there's a knowledge transfer? And I think a lot of companies are bringing back boomers as you know, institutional knowledge consultants, so to mm. speak, to say this is how we used to do things, this is why we do it that way. So I think the transfer of information is a really important outcome from this multigenerational workplace. On the external-facing side, I think what smart companies realize is, wow, okay, so by 2025, 75% of the workplace is going to be millennials. That must mean that 75% or so of our customers and clients are going to be millennials. This could make us money. So I think the transition of thinking about it from this is a problem to this is an opportunity is just starting to happen now because millennial consumers and millennial business owners and clients and leaders are popping up as the customers of companies, that's often the catalyst of why a company hires me or brings me in is, you know, we thought this was a pain in the neck, but now we see that our customers are are this way. We really need to understand it. So I think there's an internal and external component to think about.
0: I guess the other broader question is the degree to which millennials might change as they age out, as they take on more corporate responsibility, more personal and family responsibility, whether those edges and those things that millennials get criticized for, whether those will soften over time.
1: That's a great point. And I look to the boomers because there's so many similarities. You know, I I look at pictures of of like Woodstock, you know, (laughs) in 1969. And I can't imagine that the corporate leaders looked at Woodstock and were very optimistic about what this generation was (laughs) going to be like in the workplace, you know. But they grew up. And they bought homes, and they became insurance salespeople, and they became bankers, and they became teachers, you know, just like other generations. They just did it differently, and they certainly changed the workplace, but, you know, it didn't lead to mass, mass anarchy in corporate America. I think we're going to see a similar move. You know, I do think some practices are going to go out the door. I think people are going to be a lot more flexible. I think nine to five is over. I think these 30-year company tenures are over. But are corporations still going to exist? Absolutely. Are people still going to want jobs and benefits? Absolutely. I think with millennials, it's going to happen much, much later. So what you might, when you might have expected someone to quote, settle down into a career by 30 or 35, I know it's shocking, but that might be 40 for a millennial. They're getting married later. They're having children later. They're taking five, six, seven years to graduate from college. Um, you know, the sort of 30 is the new 20, I think is very, very true. Um, So I think there will be fundamental changes, but I I do think to your point, you know, this is not going to be a a world of entrepreneurs. There are still going to be companies. There are still going to be bosses. There are still going to be corporations. It just, they they might not even recruit from college anymore. They might recruit people who are 10 years out of college instead of 22. I I think those shifts are starting to happen and, and we'll see them more.
0: The other aspect is that geography plays a significant role, that we're looking at a workforce and a millennial workforce that is moving more and more to urban environments, and and that's an impact as well.
1: Moving more to urban environments, and at the same time, so clustering in that way and wanting to be around their peers and work in companies that, that are located in those places, while at the same time also able to work for a company entirely virtually that's based in another country. And knowing that their competition for a job in that urban environment might also be an engineer in India. You know, so I think there's that clustering and wanting to be together, but also knowing that the workforce has become very virtual. And I've had people ask me, you know, do you think in the future everyone's going to work from home? Absolutely not. Millennials are very social. You still meet friends and significant others at work. You know, I I think we're always going to have that office culture. And I think that's why there's the movement to urban centers. But I think millennials also have to be mindful that their competition is literally the globe. You know, and and I, I know that's sort of a frightening concept, but it's true. I have a lot of, of employers who say, you know, I can hire from anywhere in the world now. The American millennials are going to have to keep up because, you know, just because you happen to be located in my city doesn't mean I have to hire you anymore.
0: Lindsay Pollack, the book is Becoming the Boss, New Rules for the Next Generation of Leaders. Lindsay, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you for your questions.
0: Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.